Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you are interested in sponsoring Last Word on Spurs, please get in touch with us directly at our email address, lastwordonspurs at outlook.com. That's lastwordonspurs at outlook.com. We look forward to hearing from you. People talk about finding your passions. It's so important because if you find your passion in life, you are so much more incentivized to, to be the best you can be. Embrace the, the hard work of it. I'm a big believer in working hard. Sometimes people think because you, you find your passion that it's somehow easier. No, if there's one thing I've taken from, from my father more than anything else, he just worked hard and he worked hard for his family, not for himself. And I've taken that on board and you can overcome everything if you're prepared to just work hard at it. No rejection, no other person's opinion, no obstacle in your way will stop you if you put in the effort. There's too many people trying to sell you the easy road or some magic formula that will get you to, to where you want to get you. It doesn't exist. Every successful person that I've spoken to or hope I have encountered in my life, they've just done it through sheer hard work. Nothing else. You know, They've committed to something and they haven't let anything stop them getting there. Whatever you want to accomplish in life, put in the effort. The rewards will so much outweigh whatever the cost may be if you really just work out at it. Wow, what an interview. Whatever you think of the man, that was a moving minute you heard there from Ange Postacoglu, Tottenham Hotspur's new head coach that has had to fight his way up the football pyramid and be given the opportunity to manage Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're across all major audio platforms. We're of course on Twitter, at last word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. And joining us on this last word on Spurs, we're joined by the crazy conductor, runner, tier one, Mr. Lee McQueen. He's back alongside us here on last word on Spurs. Joining Lee, he needs no introduction. We've got the wonderful Richard Cracknell here on last word on Spurs, who's going to give you all his thoughts, his wisdom on the back of Spurs, making that managerial appointment and making up our panel this evening. We're also joined by the wonderful Patrick Tyrant, who doesn't hold back in his opinions. And that's the great thing about Last Word on Spurs, is that we've all got that love for Tottenham Hotspur, and yet we all have so many different opinions on what we think of the manager. And that is what makes the show, as we've always said, special, that we always try and make this show as close to the terrace as possible. Spurs fans that go week in, week out, that come on this show and express their undying love for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Before we get into this show, I do just want to play you an interview. Yes, another one from Ange Postacoglu, who describes from his perspective what it means to be involved in football, managing in football. So I want you to hear this, and then we can't wait to get this show on the road. So when you walk out today, just think about one thing, right? You think about the person in your life, as I've always said to you, it could be your mum, could be your dad, could be your brother, sister, uncle, grandfather, partner, friend, coach, somebody in your life that when you started, believed in you more than anyone else. Well done, Chris. That when you said, I want to play football and you were passionate about it, they're the ones that made the sacrifices. They're the ones that pushed you. That when people said to you, you're not good enough, they're the ones that picked you up and said, no, no, you keep going. Oh, bad luck. Come on, Jack. 
Think about that person. Think about how that person's going to feel when we win tonight. When they're at home and the text messages start coming through to them and people ringing them and people sharing the experience with them and when they wake up tomorrow morning in Australia and everyone wants to talk to them, they'll feel like it's them that's achieved it. And you know what? It is them. Because that's who you're walking out with tonight. When I walk out, my old man's next to me. He's a hard man, my old man. Still is today. But he's the one that kept saying to me, no, you can keep doing what you're doing. You're going to love this game and you're going to make it to the very top. Hard man though. We won the Asian Cup, said fucking went to his place because he can't travel, here's the Asian Cup medal. Dad, he goes, well done son, but if you'd made a substitution a little bit earlier and you stopped this playing out from the back shit, you wouldn't have gone into extra time and you'd be fine. Still a hard man, can't please him. That's who made me. He walks out with me tonight. Every day he would be off of work before I got up for school. He'd come home at night, well after it got dark. He'd literally sit at the dinner table, just chow down dinner, and sit on the, in front of the TV for half an hour, fall asleep on the couch. And that was our routine. And, and it was hard for a young kid, young boy like me to get a connection there. But come Sunday, mate, when we had to go to Middle Park, he was just a different bloke. We would, we would drive into the car park and I could just see his sort of shoulders just relax. And, and he'd get so animated and we'd walk through the gates and the smell of the sublaki come in and the noise, the, you know, the, the vibrancy. My dad started talking because a lot of, for the most part, everyone's talking Greek. So I guess all the conversations he had in his head during the week that he couldn't have because of the language barrier, he just unleashed walking into there. So and for me, as a little kid, looking up at him walking through there, mate, I go, like, I loved what the club did to my father. So, and that's why I ended up loving the club. I clicked fairly early that, you know what, if I love this like he loves this, then I'll get close to him. So you reckon if my old man was out there, he'd be afraid of Germans, Argentinians, Brazilians? That's not what he's instilled to me when I was young. That's not the people who made that sacrifice for you in your life. That's not how they raised you. So let them walk out with you tonight. That when the opposition are looking across at you, they're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. They're looking at the people who made you. When I looked around the room, and, and they weren't all of migrant background, some, you know, some come from you know, country areas, and I, I knew their journey, you know, and, and so when I was talking to them, that, that was the message about the values that the game has given us. I want to wake up tomorrow morning in the papers and not talking about the next AFL player who fucking farted or the fucking NRL player who did something stupid or, or some fucking rugby union thing. I want them talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. You wouldn't be sitting here today unless there was a person in your life who just gave you the most enormous love and belief that you know what, I don't give a fuck what happens to me, what people say about me, what challenges I have, I'm gonna fucking make it. Lee? Another moving interview there from Ange Postacoglu. I've already played two so far. We're yet to even get his first interview on here as Tottenham Hotspur head coach. But Spurs have confirmed the appointment of Ange Postacoglu on a four-year contract. The 57-year-old who becomes the first Australian to manage in the Premier League will officially start on July the 1st. But we understand he will now be consulted on all football-related decisions from this point onwards. Ironically, as we mentioned in the intro, the search took exactly 72 days again. 
a lot of people have complained about Postacoglu's credentials in terms of what he has achieved in the game so far, the lack of European experience. But I think what's clear for all of us to see before judging the man in terms of what he has done and what he hasn't done, there's no doubt there's a man that's incredibly hardworking. He's had to be very, very patient to finally reach the top level. And now he's been afforded the opportunity of being Tottenham Hotspur's new head coach. So really keenly to get your thoughts on what you make of that decision to hand Postacoglu that opportunity and whether you do feel he's the right man for this football club. I'm pleased that we've got somebody in. It's exactly what we needed in terms of to be able to try and get behind someone. He wasn't my first choice, as it he wasn't for, for many. But the reality is, is the choice of Tottenham Hotspur custodians. Whether or not that's right or wrong, I'm sure we'll get into that. But it's not his fault. As Jason said, it's not his fault and he's taken a job and we've got to get behind the bloke now. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I have to be honest with you, for everything I read, for everything I listen to about him, it's, it's hard not to like the bloke. Whether Absolutely. he's going to do a good job, it's, I don't know. But, but I'm, I'm going to back him all the way because he's our manager now. So he's going to wear the, the the badge and we'll see where we go. But I also generally do believe that we don't we don't need a high octane, high win now manager today. What this football club has broken, and we need somebody to come in and help us fix it. And I think with somebody bringing his big cuddly arms around the players, the big cuddly arms around the fans, big cuddly arms around the football club itself to get everybody working in that way. It, it's really strange that some, some of you think I'm talking absolute rubbish and Patrick will probably kill me for this uh, in a bit or, or batter me on, on it against his, on, on his views. But sometimes sometimes you, it's not rocket science what you need. Sometimes you don't need somebody who's really amazing technically or whatever it might be. And I'm not saying Ange isn't. But what you sometimes just need is to put smiles on people's faces and get people just pulling in the right direction. And Spurs, at the moment, have been tearing everyone apart. We tear it, The fan base tears each other apart on social media. We're tearing into the board at any given opportunity. We're tearing into the players, get them out, booing them. Emerson Royale coming on at Crystal Palace earlier in the season, being booed. I mean, this is just, a, you know, it's toxicity. Uh, uh, not at the highest level, but it is high. And if we haven't seen that before at Spurs, and we do need a good, a feel-good um, factor. We'd, and that's why I wanted Poch. I think Poch was the best man to come and do that stuff. But, like I said at the top of the show, like you've just said, when you actually do your research, when you actually go and read about him and listen about him and all the journalists and uh, the people we have on the show as well have, 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 have fed back, his story is very compelling. Like, it is very, very difficult not to like the guy. And and, and actually, just because you like somebody, you don't like someone, don't mean to say he's going to be a fantastic football manager. That we'll have to see. But what you can do is, based on facts, this isn't, for me, this isn't, wasn't about appointing somebody on a CV. You know my views on CVs. Pointless. You need to be hiring people based on behaviours and common value to the, where the football club is. And we don't know where we're going. We didn't know where we're going, what our vision is. And that's the bit that still riles me, regardless of who's coming to the uh, into the role, as, as Crackers was alluding to earlier. But the, the but the fact of the matter is that we can't do anything about the appointment. He's here. It's not his fault. Let's get behind him while we can and see if we can unite this fan base and this football club to try and push us. Because as Patrick said as well, and as we all want, all of us, every single one of us, regardless of what your views are, we want Tottenham to be successful, don't we? And, you know, whether or not we're, you know, lucky that I'm not running the football club, right? But if, would I have gone for um, for Ange? No. But but it, it was quite obvious to me that we were going to go for him, hence the tweet and the banner about tier one and whatever, because 
of the ties and because of the working relationship that he's had, we've all screamed for the for the board to change the football inside of the club. And now I, I, I don't want to give them credit because I get battered, but now they are putting put, uh, uh, things into place to change the football inside. You, you've got to kind of run with that as well. And Scott Munn, he doesn't officially start work, as we know, until July the 1st. But Scott Munn's got... This has got Scott Munn written all over it. And that's how, it's got to be a good thing, hasn't it, lads, viewers and listeners? Because if the man's come in to run the football inside, he's actually getting his decisions. That's what we wanted from Daniel Levy, isn't it? To, to step away and let somebody else do it. So that would be my positive spin. I think that the, the, the negative side or the... Well, I'm still open, where I think you're sitting on, Rick, and maybe crack as you are as well, is that... We don't know if it's going to work out. Does it feel like it doesn't feel like another Nuno to me? I wasn't excited by Nuno one iota, but I have to say, the more I read and the more I listen about Ange, I am getting, I am buzzing a bit more for it. I have to be honest. I do think any form of a change does bring with it almost that up that element of excitement cracks coming over to you. And you know, it's interesting. His mantra at Celtic was as it became, we never stop. He's a man that, from what I've done research on, he's known for his relentless. An attacking style of play that Celtic fans have described as thrilling, but it can also be exhausting. But I think what is very, very clear is that given the nature of the contract, which we'll come on to in a second, is that we are going to need to be patient during what may be another rocky start. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've seen that with some of the managers that haven't always been at the time flavour of the month. We saw it under Martin Yole, Maurizio Pochettino, that not necessarily these managers do hit the ground running. So therefore, by the nature of the contract and by the commitment from Tottenham to him, it feels like they're going to be giving this man time to try and rebuild this football club. How do you perceive and feel about the overall appointment cracks? I'm really 50-50 on it, Rick. I have been all the way along for all the reasons that Lee said. Um, Listen, firstly, foremostly, and most importantly, I'll back him 100% as our manager, because this is our football club, despite everything that goes on, the antics in the ballroom and what we all think about that. This is Tottenham Hotspur. I've been going since the mid-70s. I'll never be anything other than Tottenham Hotspur. So now there comes a point where you have to put everything aside and, and just go, you know what, this is my club and I want what's best. If other people that you may not want at your club get some reflected glory from that, so be it. But you want to see your club doing well. Um, listen, I really like him. Uh, I like I like what he represents. I like his values. Um, but I, I have a reservation, Rick, that he might be a little bit from a time that in football that doesn't exist anymore. You know, it's... Um, the way he sort of speaks and deals with players, I actually really quite like that. It sounds like some of the managers from when I speak to the chaps doing the Legends Night from the 70s and the 80s and maybe even up to the early 90s. Um, And I just wonder that if he comes in with this same mindset, how he's going to be perceived by these players. i I just wonder if this players' committee are going to say, you know, oh yeah, okay, thanks, yeah, I've seen you enjoy your lunch speech and uh, and everything that goes with that, but I just don't think that resonates with players 
of today. So there, there are some out there. there. There are those players out there. So I think when he comes in, he's probably going to have a fair amount of pushback from a fair few of the players that maybe perceive him as a little bit, you know, oh, he's, he's you know, he's a bit of a, a bit of a Harry Redknapp type, if you like. Um, you know, he's that man management, that sort of big arm round type of thing, rather than that technical Pep style manager, who I do think has got that in him as well, that sort of man management thing. So, look, we're going to have to be brave as a fan base because I think we're going to have our asses handed to us on a plate a few times to start with. I, I, I really do. You've got a set of players from three or four different managers. Um, they've got a muscle memory of playing under Nuno, Jose, and then um, and uh, Conte. So you've now got to rewire them players to go from being dull, ultra-defensive into front foot, go get them players. So that's going to take some time to get across as well. Um, there's going to be those that don't want to be there anymore. So they've got to go. We can't get rid of everybody that needs to go from that team in one window. That's probably four or five windows. That's probably getting up towards the end of the, of the contract he's been handed today. So this really, you know, we are in such a mess on the playing side and players out on loan and players from this manager and that. This is going to take a good long while to unpick. So we are going to have to be a few games, as I said, where we might take a few four, five, one cuffings, five, two cuffings. You know, they're going to come. Are we as a fan base going to give him that time? I hope so. I really do hope so. Give him every chance to do that. Um more importantly, will the board back his decisions? Because I can see between now and Christmas, he will probably be looking and he'll see those players and he'll think to himself, you know what, you ain't for me. And I don't think he's going to be that frightened in telling them. And then they are going to be, you can't speak to me like that. I'm going to see Daniel. Yeah, that's so, got to stop. Right. That is that's, got to stop. That, that is, has to stop. That has and, to. Because any of those players that go in and see Daniel, oh, Daniel, uh, Big Ange just told me this. Daniel just needs to look up and say to them, oh, did he? Shut your door on your way out and uh, go and speak to your agent if you don't like it. So everyone's got to be a little bit brave here. Um, you know, I'd... And then there's the risk of can he actually come down and work in the Premier League? Because, you know, there's Celtic fans in the comments saying how much they enjoyed him. But listen, let's let's be honest. And I love going up a few times. I've been up to Scotland. I've been up and seen Celtic play a few times. Those fans, absolutely first class. I first went up to Celtic in the mid to late 80s. I went up there where uh, it's it's an incredible atmosphere, an incredible place, incredible fans. So he's used to that fan pressure. Don't don't get me wrong, because they 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 expect they expect and they demand. But they're only really playing Rangers, aren't they? That's everything else. Two team league, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, two it's a two team league. league. So it is a massive massive step up for him. 
I really wish him luck. I really, really do wish him luck. But I, I have my res—I do have my reservations. I really hope I'm proved wrong, Rick. I really do. I hope I'm coming on here in Christmas and going, that club's now unrecognisable from a year ago. It really is. And that's seeing what I players to... with smiles on their face. That's I've just wanted to interact with that before you go to Patrick because you made some outrageously good points, you know, crackers as always. But I, one of the, I was on BBC Radio London yesterday with uh, with Aaron, um, as you know, Rick, and uh, he asked me the question, do you think Dan Levy and Scott Munn have given Ange the target of getting top four? And, and and that goes back to the point that Crackers is saying is that actually, are we going to be able to stomach, not necessarily the fans, the fans have already been stomaching rubbish results, haven't we? We've seen rubbish football for the whole season. It's, it's you know what I mean, Pat? But it's it's the, it's the it's the board being able to stomach the fact that when we go and get turned over, I know there's a Villa fan in there, so I'll give you the, the we go up to Villa and we get turned over 5-2 by Villa or whatever it is, or, or we get turned over 3-0 by Brentford because we're still finding our feet and we're far away from the top four. Is Daniel then going to interfere again and and pull the trigger on it? Because that's the bit that can't happen. Like we, we, we have to stomach it anyway as fans, don't we? Right? But it, it's, <laughs> it's the interference part what I am yep. still sceptical on and all the points you made about him coming down from Scottish League and all that sort of stuff of course that's the thing isn't it I agree Pat there's an air excitement as to what's going to be coming out of your mouth now because we always build it in suspense as to what's going to be coming out of Pat's mouth Um, what I would say is that look I think we said this on the last show and Jason had an absolutely wonderful point that you could argue that ultimately a lot of feelings will maybe be deciding how he does do in those first 10-11 games 12 games whoever maybe we'll be facing Maurizio Pochettino's Chelsea in there, which sounds absolutely weird for me to say that. But Pat, they come over to you. Look, the thing about Postecoglou that I've seen from research is that he's always maybe felt like an outsider with an element of that he's got something to prove. Early on in his career, I read that he felt he was unemployable. And wherever he's been, he's had a number of doubters to win over and also calls to be more pragmatic in terms of his football. But the one thing that has really stood him different to maybe other managers is that he has really stuck by his own footballing principles. He's allowed nobody to change his mind in how he wants the style of football to be played. But there's no doubt about it, Pat, which I'm sure you're going to allude to. Spurs is going to be most certainly his biggest challenge yet. So how do you see the appointment, Pat? First and foremost, I want to say that I am a Spurs fan. Obviously, I bleed for the club. I love the club. I'm an honest fan. I speak my mind. Sometimes people won't agree with it, but I always am honest and true to myself and I speak my truth. And obviously, I always want what's best for the club. Okay, let's start at the beginning. I'm happy that we now have a manager that hasn't gone on through the summer. It hasn't become embarrassing. We have time now to obviously go after our targets, get rid of the deadwood and the players that we potentially don't want anymore, potentially end on belly, bring him back into the fold. Uh, he'll work closely with uh, Scott Munn, which is good news. And we can obviously close that saga and that chapter and move forward. In terms of the managerial appointment, yeah, I am disappointed. The reason why I'm disappointed is because when you talk about the initial stuff that the board said to us, they said we want we wanted a young manager, a hungry manager, someone who obviously, you know, can set a rebuild and be here for the... The guy's 57. So that already goes against one of the things that they told us. So I'm looking at that like, hmm, okay. Cool. They gave him a four-year contract, so I give them that. That means he's probably got the time to really get to grips with the rebuild and start from the bottom up. And you know, because to give him initially it was talks of a two-year contract, so that again raised a lot of eyebrows because two years of an option of three doesn't really indicate that they trust the guy. To give him four years, okay, that means that they really are going to back the guy. 
because to get rid of him now, it's going to be a lot of compensation, isn't it? So it looks like they're going to back him. A lot of people, the first thing that lazy comments or naysayers said was, oh, do your research. I take it you don't know much about the guy. Of course I know about the guy. I won't tell you that I knew so much about him before he was linked to Tottenham. I didn't. I knew who he was. I'd watched him in the Champions League. I watched Australia now and again. So I knew of him. Obviously, when he was linked to Tottenham and the links intensified, I did do my research. I did a lot of research. Like I've got literally got pages and pages of what I looked at, what I obviously made my notes of exactly. And I thought it was really condescending that people are telling me to do my research. Just because my view differs from yours, it doesn't mean that I haven't looked into the guy, really got to grips with him. And I think for me, the worrying thing, I think he's a fantastic manager in terms of man management, very inspiring. I've got all the quotes which I can read out to you guys. But I'm just worried from where we are and what we need. How quickly could he win you over? It's probably a key question to ask you. What does he need to do in order to make you believe that he is the right man? And this is this is my point, and it's not just me. I think this is uh, a lot of people I feel are being fake with the appointment. And because maybe they're just ground down, they understand what happened last time, they're just happy that someone's in. But when it actually breaks down and we start to watch them play week in and week out, if he's not doing well, how many of these people that now are saying, oh, back the man, get behind him, how many of those are going to really still back the guy and get behind him? If it goes two, three, four games and it's quite sticky and then we take a batter into, say, Man City, Chelsea or even Arsenal in the fifth game, I guarantee it's going to get toxic. I wanted a manager who, even if things did get sticky, we would believe in them because we know that they're of a certain ilk or certain calibre. Just to bring some balance yeah. here, if I can. And I'm not arguing with you, mate, because it's your opinion. But in terms of like, like the you know the fake or getting behind them, you know whatever. If Potticino come in, who was my 100% first choice, and he'd have lost them games that you just reeled off. We are so starved of success and starved of, of anything nice over the last kind of four or five years. I think it's going to be hard for any manager coming in. And that, I think that's the bigger point. I think I don't think it's maybe the manager appointment. I think it's the, the board and the club appointment, the vision and the, you know, the stuff that we could talk about before, because actually that's what that's feeding into, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you break that, like, I love your breaking down and the statistics. I think it's it's fantastic the research you've done. And if you if you if you take away the the CV, like what he's achieved, what he hasn't achieved, take that away for a second and think about what Tottenham actually need right now. What do these players need? What did what does the fans need? What does the football inside of this club need? And it needs somebody. This is just my opinion, so feel free to kill me on it clearly. But what we need is a togetherness and something that's going to bring us together. And he has got that in his massive abundance. That is one of the key qualities he's got. Everything I've read and watched and listened and all of these things that everyone is talking about, that is what Ange brings to the table. And it might not be good enough to get us, win us the Premier League in three or four years' time, but it sets us on our pathway. Does that make sense? So, you know, I'm not saying it's an interim appointment. I was also surprised it's a four-year contract. Pleasantly surprised. But I, I think that... I think that Personally, I think that right now Tottenham need somebody to come in and galvanise everybody together. And and I think that's what he brings more than, like Crackers, you made a point earlier, and what you're making, uh, Patrick, now is that, that technical pep ability that or that um, Gallardo ability or, you know, like a Nagelsmann ability. You know, the, the thing that, that I quite like about this appointment against the Nagelsmann, as an example, is that Nagelsmann wanted to come in and, and buy top top draw players on 300 grand a week, you know, and, and we can't do that. Regardless of if we agree with that or not, 
we don't do that and we can't do that. And 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 Poch didn't need to do that, and that's why he worked. And Mourinho needed it, and that's why he didn't work. And Conte needed it, and that's why ultimately why he didn't work. And Ange doesn't need that. And uh, do you see where I'm coming from? So I know we might not like that, but our club is uh, in, until these owners move on, if that's what they're going to do, that's that's what we're like as a football club. So there's no point appointing a win now manager or somebody who's 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 got that technical ability or come up. You know, look at Gerard. Um, it's been said in the comments, you look at some of these younger men, look at Frank Lampard, like, you know, just because they're young, look at Vincent Company, he might he might get relegated next season. Like the, the point being is we don't know. But what we do know is that uh, Ange has got the qualities, in my opinion, that, that that we need as a football club. It's soft qualities, it's, it's soft skills, it's the behaviours, it's the values piece. More, I think our club need that more than the technical win now. That's what I think. And that's why I think it's a better appointment potentially than some others that were out there. Does that make sense? I mean, the age is, it, the fact that he's 57, 58 soon, that's great. He comes with experience. Obviously, we know about his pet talks, how he gets, you know, players riled up, how he puts an arm around people. In terms of tactically, he's actually a lot better than people think he is. So, but the problem is, is that the level that he's coached at, I'm a bit sceptical if that's going to be enough to get us yeah. where we need to be. That's, that's the problem. So, and then, so, like, to be fair, like I said, I compared his record in Europe to see where it's at. And again, in the Champions League this year, he didn't win a single game. He drew two games uh, and lost four. And again, I mean, I can go into it better in, in, in greater detail maybe later on. But yeah, I am a bit worried about the pedigree of him. We'll see. Just say, I mean, again, this is what makes last one on Spurs for me. You know, ultimately, I believe one of the best, you know, in my opinion, one of the best fan channels out there in relation it to Tom Motta. the because... best, Rick. Come on, say it. <laughs> because it, because in, my, in, my, in, my, in my opinion, you know, the whole point of this is, is that you want to bring on fans that have a genuine connection to the football club. And it would be boring if we all felt the same. And for those that are saying, get behind the manager. But if somebody has an opinion then they're absolutely well within their rights to voice that opinion. They should not be shouted down because they don't agree with the rest. And I think that is what this show is about. What we are going to do, we are going to go for our first break of the show for our listeners on audio. When we come back, we'll be discussing more on that club statement and Daniel Levy's comments on Ange Postacoglu. We'll be discussing, of course, the rebuild at hand, the issues Ange Postacoglu has to deal with, the summer window, and also what the season expectations will be. But, guys, taking you into this break, you're going to hear from Pep Guardiola, who gives you a ringing endorsement of Tottenham Hotspur's new head coach, Ange Postacoglu. Another exceptional manager is coming. I was lucky to to meet him in, uh, in Tokyo years ago when he was manager from Yokohama, uh, one of the, our clubs in the City Football Group. And it uh, was an interesting chat, and I have a, a little bit of relation with the owner for Celtic Glasgow. He made an incredible job, and he will do an incredible job. And the Spurs, hopefully, we can score one goal away. Now, the 57-year-old leaves Celtic after winning successive Scottish Premier League titles in his last two seasons in charge. He is Spurs' fourth permanent manager since Maurizio Pochettino led us to a Champions League final in 2018-2019, following Jose Mourinho. Nuno Espirito Santo and Antonio Conte. Postacoglu, he's been given a four-year contract, the longest dished out to a manager since Maurizio Pochettino after arriving fresh from completing a domestic treble with Celtic. A significant show of faith 
Levy Howard, his positive mentality and attacking football. As we mentioned in the intro, he will officially begin work on July the 1st, but 100% he will be consulted and involved in all football-related decisions from this point onwards at Spurs. And just to give you a bit of background in terms of what the man has accomplished in his footballing career, he was a former Australian national team player. He managed self-Melbourne, winning the National Soccer League twice and the Oceania Club Championship. He then ended the Australian national under-17s and 20s before moving on to managing the A-League, winning the Premiership in 2011 and the Championship Grand Finals in 2011 and 12, with Brisbane Raw becoming the first consecutive coach to win A-League Championship titles. He then became Australian senior manager during the period of 2013 and 2017, taking the team to the 2014 FIFA World Cup, winning the AFC Asian Cup in 2015 and securing qualification for the 2018 FIFA World Cup. He won the J1 League with Yokohama and joined Tottenham from Celtic where he won the Scottish Premiership, Scottish League Cup in 21-22 and delivered the treble. Scottish Premiership, Scottish League Cup, Scottish Cup in 22-23. And quite interestingly, of course, he won five out of the six domestic trophies during his two years in charge of Celtic. In, you've got to say, what has been an unbelievable campaign. But one thing, of course, screaming out, absolutely screaming out from his playing career, his managerial career, is that wherever he has gone, he's left a trademark and he's won. And that is the key thing. Tottenham Hotspur, on their statement, said, Now that the season and all domestic cup competitions have concluded, we are delighted to announce the appointment of Ange Postacoglu as our new first-team head coach, becoming the first Australian to manage in the Premier League, and he will, of course, join us on July the 1st, and as we've mentioned, on a four-year contract. Daniel Levy stated, Ange brings us a positive mentality and a fast attacking style of play. He has a strong track record of developing players and an understanding of the importance of the link from the academy. Everything that is important to our club we are excited to have Ange join us as we prepare for the season ahead. Well, contract length, I mean, there's a lot of devil in the detail with that. So, you know, just to try and bring some balance. If you're on a four-year deal worth £2 million a year, it's £8 million quid. But if you're on a three-year deal at £6, £7 million a year, like Jose or Conte would have been, then... It's more money. So, I mean, the fact that he's got a four-year deal may represent a trust, but it may also represent that he's on the sort of money that isn't going to be too much to terminate. So you'd really have to know what sort of money he is on, um, which would give you a reflection of why he got why he got those four years. Look, we have to give the club the benefit of the doubt that he's on four years because they they're putting some trust into him and he's everybody's in this for for, for the long haul um you know Daniel Levy turning around and saying he plays a fast attacking uh style of football which Daniel Levy apparently said be nice to have Daniel on here this evening and ask who in that Celtic team impressed him um with this fast attacking football that he's been watching. So, you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's it, you, you kind of get that, say something like this, you know, <laughs> obviously some, we all know somebody's written that out and they've gone and Daniel's gone. Yeah. That looks like I know about football. You know, it is, it's an Alan Partridge moment, isn't it? See the match <laughs> last night, which one? Don't know. 
it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those, isn't it? You know, so, uh, yeah, look, it, this all comes down to will he be a right fit? Will he be a round peg in a round hole? Whatever he's done before, <laughs> look, we've already seen with the last two managers, you bring in Jose, bring in Conte, you can't have any more pedigree on that. You know, you could have run them round the NEC during Crufts and they'd have had 50 rosettes stuck on them. That's, you know, that, that's how big their pedigree was. And how did that work out for us? So to be fair with this appointment, perhaps this is just what we need. Perhaps it is a little bit of an arm round people, a little bit of silk and still. Um, but as we've seen, sometimes the great managers, they just don't work out at a club and they go somewhere else and they absolutely tear it up. Um, Unai Emery just couldn't like, couldn't get a tune out of Arsenal, could he? Absolutely could not get a tune out of them. Now, at Villa, he looks... you take him all day long at your club, wouldn't you? He looks absolutely a sensational manager. So sometimes this isn't all about ability it's like as lee said it's that feeling it's that connection it's that it's something away from football that little human element where people buy into it and give you a little bit more and i speak sometimes with michael dawson about this and he said like when harry came to tottenham um you know he says uh, michael dawson says look I knew I was not going to ever get into any world 11 of defenders, but he just went and got, he could get that extra 10% out of me because I loved him and he believed in me and he just brought out that bit more and I wanted to run through walls for him. So can he, as I said at the top of the show, can he find a squad of players that actually want to do that? You know, and it's that whittling down period that getting rid of those that don't and bringing in those that do is where 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 the bravery needs to be. It's every club needs more than just the manager. It's those those wheels, five or six of them, like like tractor wheels on a tank. Everybody has to be moving in the right way. If he gets some front foot football he's going to get the majority of the fans on side, you know? So, um, they, as I said, they need to be brave. When we do get a couple of cuffings, they, they will come whilst he learns the Premier League. Yeah. He's going to need the ball to be brave, you know? And we all start to feed into each other and we all start to move forward. If any one of those elements backs down, breaks, fouls, is not so brave, that's where everything falls down. I'm sure the fan base, even with their reservations, will go with it, will give him a chance. He'll obviously go for it. You know, he's that type of character. He'll have those players that want to go for it, will go for it. Will the board as well? Will the board back all his decisions? Will Will they back those? Let me ask the ultimate question, Rick. If if uh, if Postacoglu goes in to see Daniel and says, I've had a chat and I've, you know, been speaking to Harry Kane for the last couple of weeks and we've been in training and I don't think he's getting me and 
I don't think he's really fitting into the team ethic here. I want him to go. And would they sell him? Would they sell him? Or Sonny? Or one of one of the big hitters? Would the club sell him? Would they go with that decision? That's that's the key thing, Crackers, that's, for me. That, that, that's that where is, it is. Because... And you know what? The, the, the chairman has to say, okay, right, you're making the big call here. I go, I'm going with you. It has to. It has to be that level of all going with each other. I think I'm actually being quite brave to speak my mind. And you, absolutely you absolutely are. You absolutely are. And I you're... can easily just happy clap and go along with what yep. everyone is doing. Spot on. But I'd absolutely rather speak on. my truth and speak my mind and voice my concerns and reservations because I'm sure there will be others who will also feel like that, but maybe yep. a bit too shy to voice that. I didn't need a win-now manager to, to get behind him. Angie's here. I will get behind him regardless. He's been appointed. Why would I not get behind him? But it doesn't yep. mean I can't voice my concerns and my frustrations regarding it. And in terms of who I did want, I wanted someone who fitted the profile, was a younger manager, plays attacking football still, which Ange does, but probably had managed at a higher level. So your Nagelsmanns, your Gallardos, your Ruben Amarims, your Deserbis, people that are tried and tested and at the level that we know that we want to be at. Ange has got a lot to deal with. He's got a lot to do. I mean, for, you know, I, I, I hope and pray that he can get it right. He's obviously got a lot of incomings and outgoings. He's also got to get the style right. He's got to understand the players. He's got to understand the culture. He's got to get to grips with a league that is a lot tougher than the SPFL. The last two or three managers that have come over from Scotland, what's happened to them in the Premier League? They've fallen by the wayside. These are things, these are my concerns. So, you know, of course I'm going to get behind the manager. Why would I not? I want the best for him, which means the best for Spurs. I want us yep. to be successful. I want us to go on and win things. I want to be, you know, I want to enjoy the football at the ground because for the last, you know, it, it, would be, it would be disingenuous to say that the last six months of the back end of last season, or two seasons ago, wasn't good. Under Conte, when we finished our, in the top four, we were playing some good football. We definitely were. We were going to lead, scoring four or five, you know, scored five against Norwich at the last game of the season. We were playing good football, but this year, oh my God, it's been horrible. So, of course, if anything's better than that. But still, let's not pretend or forget where we are. We are a big club. We should be doing good things. That means, ideally, a top six finish. I just wonder if we can do that under Ange and then obviously get, you know, do... Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot going on. And Pat, listen, I think the one thing we always want people to do when they come on here, viewers, listeners, contributors, we want them to speak their truth. It wouldn't be fair to bring you on and ask you to change your opinion. I remember this is a good thing that it's come up because many ask, our guests actually ask prescribed hand what they can and can't say. Well, hopefully this doesn't send a message out there that whenever you are coming on to last one on Spurs, yeah. everybody hey. speaks their mind. A couple of really nice managerial quotes on this. And said upon leaving Celtic, they wanted me to extend my time at Celtic. And while I'm so respectful and understanding of their position, a new opportunity has been presented to me, and it is one which I wanted to explore. I thought what was a lovely message was actually from the Football Australian um, national team, which said, Football Australia is delighted to extend its heartfelt congratulations to the renowned Australian manager, Ange Postacoglu, on his appointment as manager of Premier League Giants. Premier League Giants, Tottenham Hotspur, isn't that lovely to hear? The appointment is a personal triumph for Ange and his family, and we're absolutely delighted for him. Ange personifies the Australian football story, as a proud Greek Australian who immigrated to Australia at a young age and found his place in a new Australia through football. 
After making his name for himself domestically from his playing days at South Melbourne Football Club to his success at Socceroos head coach, leading the team to Asian glory in 2015 on home soil, Ange has gone on to test himself successfully in the global football arena against the world's best. This new chapter at Spurs for Ange is a testament to his enduring determination, skill and vision as a leader. It's also a great moment of great pride for Australian football. The CEO of Celtic actually said, we wanted Ange to stay with us. And while there's a real disappointment that we are losing with him, he has decided to take up this new challenge, which we do respect. And look, I think the one thing that is the common factor, if you've listened or watched any podcast relating to Ange Postacoglu or Celtic in the last two seasons, is that there is this almost idolisation for the man wherever you go and watch and listen to him. So regardless of opinions, fan opinions or whatever, you make your own judgment. You go to that stadium and you watch his brand of football and you see the results we've got. Cracks, we're going to come <clears> over <throat> to you. In terms one of the thing, man- Rick. Sorry, one thing before you start. Uh, the Giants of the Premier League, Tottenham. You're damn straight we're Giants, okay? All right. Might not be at the moment. But this is a giant football club, okay? It's got a rich heritage. It's got a rich history. It's got, it has got everything. It really has. This is a big football club. Make no doubts about it. Okay, not lost its way a little bit in the last sort of 20 years. But be under no illusion what makes a big football club. That's not getting some sugar daddy coming in and just throwing money at things. It's about, it's the iconography of it. And this club has got it in bucket loads, absolute bucket loads. We're, we're still a bigger club than Man City. We always will be a bigger club than Chelsea. This is one of the giants of British football, Tottenham. So, yeah, we are, we are giants. Might be having a nap at the moment, but we are a giant club. Can I, can I can I just run something past you then? You know, like, because obviously I believe we're a giant club. I fully want, wanted more than Ange. I believe that we should be demanding more as fans right now. But I feel that the fan base has almost been lulled into a sleep by Daniel Levy. Sometimes the way we operate, considering we're one of the richest clubs in the world, we're the most profitable football club in the world, we continuously top the, you know, the, the money lists, we have billionaire owners but we're always acting like we have to operate on a shoestring budget we can't you know pay the wages for this person we can't compete with these guys for that when realistically we can so it's almost like the fan base and don't get me wrong rivals always throw it out as you're not a big club you're but we Mm -hmm. are a big club and i feel sometimes our fans need to act like that as well and demand more and maybe that's why these comments are coming out because even our own fans are settling for stuff which we shouldn't that's fair. No, I, I, again, yeah. just quickly on that, I, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with what you've just said. I think the, pro- the problem is that's, again, you've just elevated it back up to the problem isn't that a point with Ange uh, coming into the football club. The problem is the board. Well, that that is, the, and that is a different debate. To be fair, and like like you said right at the beginning, Pat, you'll get behind a new manager, but ultimately, it doesn't matter who comes in. This is the point that I think Rick and I have definitely made on loads and loads of shows. 
and, and crackers, you, you've probably said it more than anyone else. The reality is, unless something changes, nothing changes. I think that's the exact words what crackers uses. Yep. And, you know, that, that's jumping back up to that piece. This thing on age, I just want to, I know you're going to crackers, right? I've just been doing some blue book research here. And out of the managers that are in the top five leagues this season, plus everyone that's in the top European competitions, I couldn't be bothered to do in, individual domestic uh, uh, competitions either. Either won the, the cups or in the finals. Four of their managers are below 50 in age. And the rest of them are all above 50. And Mendebar, Spalletti, Moyes, who's in the final, regardless of what you think, and Carlo Angelotti, who won the Champions League last year, are all over 60. And Jose Muno has won more trophies than, you know, I've had at dinners. He's also 60 as well. So I, I generally, and this isn't a thing at you, Pat, this is just a thing at the club coming out and saying it, we want a young manager. That's wrong. It's not about age. It's literally not about age at all. And also, for me, this is just my personal opinion, as we're throwing them out there tonight, it's also not about a CV. It's not about track record. It's not. It's about what does a club need today, right now? And they do not need a Spalletti. They do not need uh, a Jose or a Conte. Right? They need somebody to come in and unite exactly what we're talking about right now. Because we're not united, and that's what they need. And I think Ange could potentially be uh, be the uh, one of the best people to do that after Poch, of course. Cracks. Look, I think the concern with this managerial search is that at times it felt alarmingly similar to 2021. Of course, the narrative that the club were desperate to avoid, but it has taken, as we mentioned at the top of the show, 72 days exactly again to appoint yeah. a manager. You could argue this time around it has been much more consistent by the names in which have been mentioned in terms of the brand of football they want to play. Nagelsmann, Slot, Enrique. I've got to say one thing, that none of these names to me have felt like a Nuno option where we were coming towards the end and absolutely fighting desperately just to appoint somebody. Whatever you think about Postacoglu, he does represent Spurs' values in terms of playing a brand of football that hopefully we can all get behind. He does not change his ways, his principles for anybody. I just want to ask you that, appointing before a director of football, many will say that's not ideal and it creates an accountability issue if things do go badly. But to pick up what Lee said earlier, you've got Levy and Munn that still have to get that call right. But the fact that Daniel is giving Scott Munn maybe leeway early on, does that give us at least hopefully an inkling that things are changing at the very, very top? <laughs> no. Not for me, and this is this is where my my reservations are because I've seen twenty two years of them eventually meddling into things that they they simply don't understand. Daniel Levy is not a football man. There's very few people on that board that are football football people. Um, look. They've obviously been getting a briefing from somewhere. Who or what, I don't know. They've, you know, they've got a brief of a type of of manager that they want. And, and you're right, they have gone for similar types of manager. The worry is where they've been turned down by some of the more um, experienced, similar managers in that vein. Why? Why would that be? Why is it when they were presented with what their job task will be and the autonomy they might have to do that job was was we turned down? So that's that is that is a worry. It's I think really the the board do need, as we said before, they probably do need to now split and communicate that out as well, so that 
Munn, Scott Munn, uh, is literally the football chairman and Daniel Levy and, and, and the rest of that crew all become the club chairman, if you like, because these are big businesses now. They're more than football clubs. You, you, you might not like that, but they do have to be. If you want big, new, shiny players, then you've either got to go and find yourself somebody that's going to bankroll that um, within FFP, of course, because everybody operates within FFP and doesn't do any creative accounting, or <laughs> you you generate uh, you know you generate income by having concerts and the go karting, and I, that's one thing I can't really get my head around is that people are screaming, "Oh, it used to be a football club over there because we got Beyonce there for five nights." Fantastic, brilliant. As long as all the money that comes in from that goes into Daniel Levy and Daniel Levy goes, okay, Mr. Munn, here's what we've made this year. Here's your money. Go and run the football side of things. It's it's not, not rocket science. That's where something's not quite right, you know, because all of a sudden Daniel seems, it just seems that there's a knocking on the door from Daniel and it's like, well, what's what's going on? What's going on? Why why are you playing him? Like, what, what's what's happening there? There just seems to be that meddling. So, that that needs to stop, Rick. That absolutely needs to stop. Uh, stop. And I hope that Scott Munn does um, get that autonomy to make some decisions. Um, you know, we've often said, would somebody from the club love to come? We'd love to get somebody from the club onto onto a channel, onto here. And come and tell us the vision and tell us the plan. And, uh, you know, I like to think that we're fair and balanced. And even in the views when we're just chatting generally, if we had a guest on like that, we'd ask some tough questions, but we'd be fair. And we, you know, we may even learn something or they might be able to even tell us something that we didn't know where we think that they're failing but the but the realities of it is they just can't do that thing that is that we want them to do. You see what I mean? Just a little bit more, a little bit more openness. There's lots of wins that Tottenham can get now with this manager going forward. A little bit more communication, a little bit more openness, a little bit about where we see ourselves going over the next year, eight eighteen months. So you know. It's never never too late to change. Will they change? I can't see it, Rick. I really cannot see it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it will be as ever thus until they go, to be honest. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organisations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train, and retain them. Phoenix 51, powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. Hi everyone, Crackers here with your update for the Legends events that are upcoming, couple just before the summer break. On the 23rd of June, that's a Friday in Herefordshire at Hereford FC. Herefordshire Spurs have the one and only Michael Dawson appearing. A few limited tickets left available for that. 
and July the 7th, that's also a Friday, the one and only Danny Rose is appearing at Penridge Suites, Arnest Grove. Please go to closeencounter.events for your tickets there. So there you go, a couple of events before we take the summer break. Uh, keep safe, keep well, at Mr Cracknell on the socials for any further info that you need on those nights. And as always, come on you Spurs. His mantra at Celtic is, we never stop or was we never stop. He is known for playing a relentless attacking style of football, but for many it's thrilling. I think we made this point off air that ultimately he does maybe need a kind fixture list to begin with in order so those fans that aren't fully on board with this appointment do give him the time that he needs in order to rebuild this football club. At Celtic, Patty predominantly played a 4-3-3 with inverted fullbacks overloading the midfield and two wide men staying high and coming inside or providing crosses for the centre forward and midfield runners. What I do want to ask you, Pat, is it's a brand of football that many, many Spurs fans will love. They'll relate to it. I just wonder how you feel he's going to get on with actually imprinting that playing style on this current squad and whether you do feel a lot has got to change in order to actually get results with the brand of football he would like to play. Yeah, the brand of football that you'd like to play is exciting. I mean, I've seen, I'm sure everyone's seen the videos, him saying, don't pass backwards, screaming at players, telling them, you know, never stop. Uh, we don't get tired. I've seen quotes where he's like, I don't, you know, I don't tolerate laziness. If I see you're being lazy, you'll be out of the squad. So all these things really tick the right boxes. Like you said, he plays a 4-3-3. So realistically, you're going to need two ball-playing centre-backs that can also defend. Um, he likes to push high as well. He likes to play in, in, in the opponent's half and in the opponent's final third. So that means we'll be playing a high line. So we're going to need speedy and quick defenders because obviously when you get caught out in possession and they ping that ball over the top, you're going to need people that are able to react and also play, you know, 1v1 uh, defending, jockey someone to the side. That means also the fullbacks have got to be able to defend because you're defending with four as opposed to five. So the personnel that we have right now, we're going to need a lot of bodies. We're going to need a lot of quality as well. We need someone to partner Romero. Defensively, Emerson Royale is a very good, uh, what is it, right back. But uh, offensively, Poro definitely ticks a lot of boxes. So we're going to have to decide what goes on there. Then you've got the young guys, Spence and Adoji. Do they come in? Do they play? Will he give the minutes? We've seen that he does like to link. Uh, he does like to use uh, the youngsters. He does like to link the youth to the, to the first team. So that's a positive. We're just going to need, again, we're going to need an attacking midfielder as well because the creativity is probably going to come from the midfield of the park as opposed to the fullbacks bombing forward and whipping in crosses. So we are going to need a lot of players that to fit his system. And, you know, one of the things that I did like is the length of the contract because it signifies to me that he will be given time. But what we also need is funds. We need players in and players out ASAP. So if these things do happen, then it's fantastic. And of course, I want him to be successful. I want him to do fantastic. I want him to be the best manager we've ever had. I want to love this guy more than Pochettino. Yes, I've got my reservations. Yes, I'm going to throw all of that to the side as soon as the first uh, whistle is kicked. And I'm going to get behind him. And like I said, I mean, Poch is gone. We have to forget him. He's over down in Chelsea. We need to get behind this guy and love him. And hopefully all those reservations and doubts will, you know, be singing his name and, and getting behind him and... And just loving what he does and how he talks to us, the fans, how he brings the players together, 
and hopefully the brand of football will be something that we can at least enjoy. Even if we do lose a couple of games, if we can see that the intent and the philosophy and the idea was right, uh, we can get behind that. Because even like at the end, Ryan Mason, you know, bless him, he, he looks like he could be a good manager in the long run. We could see that what Mason was doing. Some of the games, it didn't work out, but at least we gave him that time because we could understand what he was doing and what he was trying to build with. And that would be the same with uh, Postacoglu. Obviously, we hope it's a bit better because he's more experienced. But yeah, that's my kind of thought process behind it. I just want to go back to saying that Crackers was talking about in terms of the board. So I think it's really important. When you look at the board structure, right? When you look at this is really important. We, we talk about Brighton, we talk about Arsenal, we talk about Man City are the, are the ones. The, the common theme here is that you've got Tony Bloom, who's the chairman. Right, of Brighton. Then you've got Paul Barber, who's the CEO. Right, are you still with me? Keep keep with me, right? Then you've got David Weir, who's the director of football. And then you've got the Zerber, who's the manager. Right, there's four people in that, in, in the structure. Okay. You go to Arsenal, you've got Kronke, who's the chairman. You've got Vin Shan, who is the CEO. You've got Edu, who's the director of football. And you've got Arteta, who's the manager. What's the common theme here? Right, the number four. Okay, let's go City. You've got Khaldun Al-Barak, who's the chairman. You've got Feren Sormoon, who is the CEO. You've got um, Birkenstan, I think might be leaving, but he's a director of football. And you've got Pep, who's a manager. What's the common theme here? Four. You've got Tottenham. You've got Daniel Levy, who's the chairman, and then the manager. And you might have a director of football. So are you deliberately are you deliberate leaving that Donna Cullen there, Lee, very quickly? Donna Cullen very quickly. I mean, it feels like she's PR, got quite a hot... PR or whatever. Scott Munn's come in. He's the mm. chief footballing officer or the chief executive side of the foot, of the football club. And I think that's why you have to start to look at them structures. Uh, you know, most of the, the people that we've just talked about there, when, again, look, go and listen to the uh, Paul Barber on, on Jake and Damien's show, the High Performance Podcast, he talks about all of the stuff that he does operationally as a business, not even real too much on the football side of things. And I just think that that's what we've been missing in the in in, in the structure of the board. And that's what they're trying. Hopefully, we're going to see that they're trying to put that right with the appointment of Scott Munn. That was my point. That's fair. Lee, look, he's a great communicator and he has that ability to get others to buy into his vision of how the game should be played, which was a clear... Well, example, what he did at Celtic, you know, there was a real need there to replenish, rejuvenate a squad. And that's exactly what he'd done. I think what's quite interesting about him from what the research I've done is that he's not a man that ever gets really that close to the players. He's not like a Maurizio that is almost becoming a family member or like their dad. He's a man that will deliver a message clear, succinctly to the point, And every player will know exactly what they need to do. So I'm really keen to know from you, Lee. The fact that obviously Spurs have spent the last 10 weeks searching for Conte's successor and all the names that have been linked. How do you feel he's going to deal with that dressing room in terms of the job in hand? Number one, Harry Kane's future. And how much could this impede already on the job in hand? He's got Hugo Lloris, his club captain that said he wants away already publicly. This obviously festival with Harry as well. How will he deal with that, Lee? How do you expect that to go this summer? Well, again, we're talking about research and we're talking about all the stuff around um, uh, uh, Ange, of course. Funnily enough, that's exactly the environment he walked into at Celtic. It's literally exactly the same. He had his club captain that wanted away. Uh, he had you know, star, some of his star players that were leaving and mo moving on. Um, they'd just been absolutely ruined, I think, this, the season before by Rangers. Uh, I think it was a 26-point swing. We've just had a 22-point swing, uh, swing with our locus, uh, local rivals with Arsenal. So he's walking into a, a very similar scenario um uh, you know in, in terms of 
managing that side of the 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 um the, the game if you like um i think you know I, I can't comment on what i think he's gonna do because i don't know him but i think what he should do or what he needs to do is what Cracker said and what I said on the last show, which is you go and have a one-to-one with all of your playing staff. There's 37 of them. Um, so he's got a lot of work to do. 37 first-team players on the books at the moment. And you sit in front of every one of them. And if the words come out of their mouth, I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure I want to be here, they're gone. Simple as that. And it doesn't matter who it is. And that, if that is that Hugo Lloris and all, all of that stuff. And Cracker, as you mentioned earlier about you can't get rid of everybody in, the, in that one window. But for me, personally, I'll be prioritising the people that do not want to be part of this train. So if you don't fancy it, you will be going. Like, regardless, if you're Pedro Porro, if you're Harry Kane, if you're Richarlison, if you're Romero, it, it, that, that is the key thing. And, and actually, if Tungay Ndombele walks back through the door and actually convinces um, Ange that he wants to be here and he wants to do the business, that, for me, is the number one thing. Then you work on everything else. So attitude, again, coming back to attitude, behaviour, Everybody's heard that uh, that 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 piece around you know talent and, and and attitude. You've got to have the right attitude first before you can let your talent shine. Um, so that would be the first thing that I would be doing. Obviously, I'm not telling him how to do his job. He's a lot better than, it than me, but that's what I would be doing. The minute you start compromising, Rick, on oh well, you know Romero doesn't really want to be here, but I ain't got another central defender, so I'm going to keep him. That's when the problems start, and that's when he's not going to be able to fix this problem. Christ, come over to you. Uh, he has spoken about his love, Postacoglu, for the challenge and to build something from scratch. He said, just about every job I've had has been an extensive rebuild. Usually when you come in, when people are needing a change, settling the way I get my teams to play is challenging and requires a major shift, usually both in terms of playing staff and the way we work. We actually saw at Celtic the way he did exert that control over a number of areas. And don't forget the fact that the rebuild that he saw was Rangers actually finished 25 points ahead of Celtic in the previous season and reached a European final in that first Scottish campaign. And he did very quickly win over the respect of those players. And he did foster a culture of togetherness. And he has, you know, been renowned for having a real good knowledge of the Japanese market. He added six players during his time there, uh, the best being Kyogo Furuhashi, who arguably, you know, he cost around 4.5 million and was the bargain of all the signs that he's ever made during his career. He hit the ground running. He obviously took Joe Hart as well, a man that we maybe thought had finished, and obviously embedded him into the squad, as well as Cameron Carter-Vickers, who I know many had their views on. Really intrigued to know from you, Cracks. In terms of the rebuild, mm. do you think this man is ready? Because it's a big, big summer in store. Lee references there 37 players he's got to manage and work with. Can he yeah. do it? Can he do it in one window? Well, you know, it looks like he's got the chops to do it, but he's now got to do that in the Premier League. This isn't the J-League. This isn't the Scottish Premier League. He's got to sort this mess, get those players on board, get some out, get some in, and then guess what? On Saturday, you're at Man City away while you're doing this. You're not at Full Kirk away, or you're not at Grampus 8 away. You're at Man City away. And then that week, you've got to take training and you're still sorting that mess out and doing this. And then guess what? You've got Man United at home the following Saturday. And then carry on that week, infusing the players, trying to get them to play for him. And guess what? The following week, you've got Arsenal away. And then you've got, and then you've got, and then you've got. So you've literally 
you know, you've got a rebuild, which, as I said, he's shown he can do. But this is the Premier League. It's a huge step up. It's a unique league. It's the hardest league in the world. It it really is. It may not be the best. Where I where I live, La Liga, the technical ability of it is miles miles in front. But it's nowhere near as exciting. It's nowhere near as competitive either. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of teams. You you ain't going Brighton away and skittling them anymore. You ain't going Brentford. You ain't going Villa. Every game, every game is tough and and getting on with doing this rebuild as well. So, you know, this is going to come in fast, really fast. And all we do is we hope and pray that he has got the cojones for it. R- really do. But, yeah, it's all about whether he is ready to do the two things at once, to manage what he's got, siphon out what he doesn't need and get a tune out of players some of the, as I said, you know, you're not going to get rid of some of the like 15 players. So you've got to manage them and get a tune out of them whilst doing that so that you can go and get results at Villa away and Man City and Man U and Liverpool and every damn team in that league because there is no easy games. And that's, that's going to be the, the real test for him. One thing for next season, Rick, that I, that I really want to see and... Nobody, but nobody is winning that league other than Man City. Next year is already done. All the time that they've got Pep there, they're winning that league. So forget the league. We're not even not even close. Even if Pep wasn't there, we're still not winning that league. It's just it's just not happening. It's that that's Man City's like I, I don't know. Then the Premier League needs to be careful because they could lose what makes the Premier League if they become too dominant. I mean, they're they're an incredible team to watch. They're winning that league. If we start going to cup games and seeing players left on the bench because we've got a league game on the Saturday and we're not having a full tilt at winning one of those two cups on offer to us next season, I will be absolutely furious because even with everything going on, we stand a good chance of getting deep into either one of those two competitions next season if we throw the players yep. at it. That's what I want to see. I want to see some good feel-good factor come back and some good football come back and have a go at them cups because we're just not winning that league. I don't want to see this. Yeah, but, you know, if we finish a couple of places... Uh, six instead of eighth, it'll be worth more than a cup. Not to me, it's not. Not to the fans. It's about time we got something that suits us fans and not the club and the bank balances. That's what I want to see next season. That'll be interesting to see what we do in the cups. It will do. I think many of us are, of course, waiting, and it might be for our listeners and audio, this might have already come out. We're, of course, waiting for that first interview from Ange, where I think many will then feel maybe a connection to begin with. And I just wonder, Pat, that's probably the key thing I want to ask you before we discuss and finalise and conclude on season predictions. How important, Pat, is that very, very early on to try and get a resonation and almost a connection with the supporters in terms of what's going to come out of that man's mouth? Because let's be honest about it, the last couple of managers that we've had in the greatest of respects to them, or the last two or three, 
Jose, Antonio, and of course, Nuno. In all of their facets and their ways, they've really, I would say, struggled. Maybe Conte did it in periods, especially the early part, to really find a connection with the supporters. But this man, the brand of football, could already bring people on side. Of course, we say it's not going to happen overnight. But just how important is that word, Pat, communication, to really form a bond with fans early on and get them on side? Because if I, if I think back to Martin Yole and even Maurizio Pochettino, the one common thing those guys did have was a great way of being able to interact with the fans to acknowledge how big a job it is to manage Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, how proud they were, how prestigious this club can be with going in the right direction. How important could that be, Pat, to get that on side early on? Yeah, that's key. And that's why I think he will shine. Because, you know, for me, Pochettino is the man that I've loved the most uh, as a manager and probably one of my favourite people in Spurs, regardless of player or manager. And it's because of that connection and that bond that he had with us and the players. And I think Andrew will bring that because everyone talks so highly of him. You've seen all the welcome to Tottenham tweets or, you know, I'm sad that you're leaving. I've had play, uh, I've had fans interact from me, interact with me so over the last couple of days, Australian fans, uh, Celtic fans saying how good of a man he is, even though, you know, they know I've made my feelings clear. So quite a few have also come out, uh, messaged me and said, I felt the same way that you did. Give him time. He will win you over. That's the, you know, that's the kind of guy he is. So I feel that he will do that because even when you listen to him talk, you know, the pep talks, even the way he talks to players, you've probably seen him doing the coaching, the mic'd up sessions. He's really good at getting his point across. He's really good at, you know, indicating uh, and letting people know where he where he's come from and what he's about. Like, you know, the quotes about how his dad was his favourite person and his dad was a working man and his dad never really showed him any love. So he was always working hard to get that, like, almost like that, that say-so from his dad, that's, you know, that nod of approval, that seal of approval. He's he's come out and said he's, a, you know, he's an honest man, a hard-working man. He knows what honesty's work is. And that kind of thing will resonate with the regular everyday person because it feels like he's not out of touch with normal society you know some of these footballers and managers the one thing that we always say as fans is that they're out of touch with the modern day you know with the modern person because they don't get it you see you feel already that he gets it so you know uh, and yeah I think in terms of man management and as a person I think he is someone that we can get behind and, and ticks all the boxes obviously you know for all my reservations and doubts there's one thing I won't do is I won't discredit someone and be disingenuous and he does have a lot of things where he does tick boxes and definitely his people, his, his style, his charisma and how he how he brings people together. That is one of the pluses. And it does kind of give me those poch vibes uh, to a degree. You know, I think what's been very interesting is that when he was asked at the time of being Celtic manager, how he felt about not being the first choice. He said, you're assuming I was a second choice. I might have been the fifth choice. You never know. It really doesn't bother me. What's important is that I have been given the responsibility and the opportunity. And he just missed, you know, suggestions that he was making a jump in standard. And I think that's the one thing that's come across is that he's relished and taken on every single challenge that's come his way during mm. his career. And I mentioned this at the start in the most greatest of respects that he probably cannot believe his luck that he's been given the opportunity to manage this great football club. He will maybe argue he's earned it. He's had to work incredibly hard mm -hmm. to get this. And I wonder... Even for someone like Harry Kane, who's been on a similar journey where he went out on loan seven or eight times, I wonder whether even that can relate to the players that ultimately, this isn't a guy that's had it easy. 
in terms of the silver spoon and also just been given opportunities, dare I say, like a Frank Lampard or Steven Gerrard, he's had to earn his right to be here. Do you think that's another reason, Cracks, why you feel if anybody's going to try and make this work and give it their everything, this is the man to do so? Well, I mean, every player there to a degree would have worked and sacrificed to become a professional footballer. So they, they've all had sacrifice. You might not hear it all the time, but players, they all work incredibly hard and dedicate themselves to become a, 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 pro, a pro footballer. So it's all about whether his story resonates with the modern day player. You know, it's, uh, as I said at the top of the show, he's, he's, he is a bit of a throwback. He does feel like a bit of a throwback. And, you know, that was a wonderful speech that's been played out where he talks about taking the people with him as well. Um, but, you know, those people that pushed you on to become players when you was kids, you know, you take them with you. He takes says he takes his dad with him in spirit. And if he was sat in the stands and listen, that, that that's fantastic. That speaks to me all day long because I'm from an era when that was something. I'm not so sure whether it's what the modern day player buys into now as well, because as much as that speech he gave, there is also a flip side to that, where Alex Ferguson walked into the dressing room at halftime at White Hart Lane and said, lads, it's Tottenham Hotspur. And that's all he said. And they went out and gave us a good hiding. So, you know, and Postacoglu made that speech. And as Simon Jordan alluded to today, <laughs> when, he, when it was played, he just turned around. He went, that was a lovely speech, by the way, Australia nil Peru too. So, yeah. listen, you know, I, I think me and Patrick are, are the same, Same, we're leaning on the same open doors, maybe coming it from it from different angles. But, you know, it, it, I, I, he gets my absolute best wishes and I, I like what he's, what he's got to say. But it's not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going out Saturday and I'm not going out to win a game. I'm on the terraces getting behind it. It's whether those players buy into yeah. it. I'd I'd run through a brick wall for him. Um, will, will the players? That that's what it all comes down to. That's the million dollar question. And if they do, Rick, and they do buy into it, and we do progress, and we are better, and then he demands a little bit of a better player or a new player or to keep going and refreshing going forward in these four years he's been given. When he goes and knocks on the board's door and says, I want this, will they go with it as well? Are, are they going to be brave? He's asking us to be brave. He's yep. brave taking this job on. He wants his players to be brave, to get on the front foot. We'll all do it. Will Daniel Levy? That's that's the big question. That's that's where I think this whole thing falls down. You know, we're, we're looking to build another mansion. Will somebody get some furniture this time that a previous incumbent never got? There's the big there's the big million dollar question. This is key. Right, I want to close it on this point. So after nearly four seasons of under counter punching managers for Tottenham, we've gone from the transition of a postacoglu possession based style which we're hoping is going to announce an amount in a lot of happiness in these next four years. 
We know, of course, there's no such thing as an overnight transformation. There's a lot of work to be done. It may be a slog, but we've seen sometimes that being patient does give you the best reward. So, guys, I'm going to ask you very quickly to sum up and give me your feelings on the back of where we are right now. And these might change throughout the summer. You guys are all going to be back on, of course, on Last Word on Spurs. If I was to ask you to predict the season, well, I won't say predict, but give me what the season expectations are where we are right now going into next season. Pat, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to end on cracks. What is for you right now those season expectations? Uh, well, obviously, I want to see a better brand of football. Um, we all know what Postacogli should come in and do. Um, hopefully, he's backed and he's given the players to allow him to at least try and cook up a recipe that obviously he can serve. We finished, what, eighth this season? Only two points behind Brighton and six. We all want the same amount of games in Brighton, Aston Villa and, and Tottenham. Uh, so, ideally, with only playing once a week, I really want to see us go far in the Cups, like Crack said. And I want to fit. I think we should be finishing or aiming for a top six finish. I think that's realistic. I don't think Champions League football is realistic in this first season. Obviously, if it comes, we have to take it. And then we will, you know, change our expectations as the season's developing. But realistically, a top six finish and a good crack at both domestic trophies. So I'd expect at least a quarterfinals in one of them and a top six finish. Um, it may sound a bit far-fetched considering the teams around us should improve, but then so should we. The fact that we've got a manager who will be allowed to outline his uh, tactics, uh, shape the team and mould it in his image, hopefully bring in a few players, get to work with them week in and week out and have a steady voice uh, you know, and coach them as well. We had three coaches this season and that's crazy. That can't happen again. So with a bit of steadiness, uh, a good voice, someone that the, the players can enjoy uh, listening to and be around, I'm hoping to finish fifth or sixth and hopefully win a trophy, man. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about trying to actually win something. But again, being realistic, at least the quarterfinals in one of the uh, cups. Pat? I want to say, mate, massive, massive thank you for coming on, being you, being true, and saying exactly how you feel. <laughs> you. You're courting back of us across the summer. We've got lots and lots of shows coming up on the last one on Spurs. Pat, where can everybody find you for the honest, hard-hitting opinions that we love you yeah, for? Yeah, so it's um, Patrick Tyrant, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, and then Tyrant, T-Y-R-A-N-T. And that's on Twitter. Oh, there you go. Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, follow me on there or you know, connect with me. You can talk to me on there. And yeah, and obviously I'm on different podcasts all throughout the week. Of course, I'll be on Last Word on Spurs throughout the summer as well. So you can find me and yeah, here, there and everywhere. Top man. Love having you on, mate. Always. Cracks, let me close mm. you. I'm going to ask you a similar question. Big, big job in store. Hugo Lloris' mm -hmm. future up in the air. Harry mm -hmm. Kane's future up in the air. Spurs, I'm sure, are going to be trying to shift players out on loan, of course. They're going to be trying to bring players in. On that basis of the chaotic summer, and the fact Spurs finished where they finished last season, as we alluded to, had three managers, interims, two of them. What is a realistic expectation, in your opinion, of what we should hope for ahead of the upcoming season? All we should hope for at the moment, this club is such a mess. It is such an utter chaotic mess from the last three appointments, which the board have badly got wrong or missed mismanaged if you like or not stepped up or taken the club in the direction with especially two of them Jose and Conte we never we never run the club in a way 
that fitted their philosophies. Um, and it's left us in this mess. Right now, next season, all I want to see is some identity back and I want to see some football I can get behind. Win or lose, that's all I want. If next season we end up in a lower position than this season, if we end up 10th, 11th, but I can see something being formed, coming together, I'll take that all day long. Because, Rick, I'm I'm 53, and I know from what some people have been saying, once you get a five on the front of your age, you're, you're past it, apparently. Let me tell you, at 57, I'm still going to be wearing spray-on jeans. Well, he and, said that. He said that. Uh, <laughs> listen, yeah, I, I, I've seen the ageism. But don't worry about it. Like I see you. I see you. Can, can, can I make you feel better, Cracks? On the last three years of having two kids, I feel 107. Does that make you feel any better? <laughs> Try four, mate. Look, oh look let God. me show you something. Look at that hair. Look. That, that, is, that is Spurs and that is life. Ask you what... Sil- what is that Silver Spurs Fox. or... No, that's, 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 hey, George, that's, George that's Clooney. That's four brains. kids. George Everything that's that's the whole lot, but but look, that's that's all I want. And if we do end up a couple of places lower in the league, but I can see something to get behind, I can see something that looks like Tottenham Hotspur. That's all I want, and I'll go with it because, like, some funny enough, I think it's Rangers fans, funny enough, coined this phrase, which is quite ironic given we've just Nick Celtic's manager. They said that when their club went down the pan, if Rangers played in the road, we'd watch from the pavement. And I would. But as long as I'm seeing something that represents my football team and the football that I was brought up on and some today is to do, that's all I want from next season. I'll just want to see going in the right direction. That may need, that may need mean going back a couple of steps to go forward. I'll take that. I'm brave. I think Angie's brave. Is the rest of the fan base brave? More importantly, Daniel Levy, are you brave? Spot on. What a way to end it. I want to say a massive, massive thank you. We've been joined by the wonderful Patrick Tyrant, the wonderful Richard Cracknell. Rich, very quick, I must ask you, any Legends Nights out there that people can still get their hands on? Father's Day is coming very, very soon. So it's a great time right now. If you're looking for a present for your dad or for your granddad or for anybody that loves Tottenham, Cracks, any Legends events you want to give a quick mention to that's coming up? Tickets wise? Yes. End of the month, uh, there's Michael Dawson at Hereford Spurs, and there's some very, very limited tickets left for that. Uh, I should know these dates, shouldn't I? I think that's Friday the 24th. So take a look at my socials at Mr. Cracknell. I'll put that out. And then the one and only Danny Rose just into July uh, at, in Arnus Grove. So he's uh, doing an evening. I'll be speaking to him. That comes with a meal and everything. That'll be, that'll be, that'll so that'll be, a, that'll be a quiet one. That, yeah, that, that will be, be. That will be, yeah. Be It'll be a very, very good night yeah. and a bit of a one-off. So I'm really looking forward to that because Danny's got a story to tell. So that's uh, Arnest Grove, North <laughs> don't, don't London, we, don't start we play, of don't July. It? Yeah, it's uh, close, in, close Encounters dot events. Uh, for, for that so or again look on my socials and I'll or get in touch with me and I can give you details of those so uh, thank you for that Rick my pleasure well listen guys we are going to be back with you quicker 
Then before you know, it may cost me my marriage, but for you, I know you guys probably out there don't care. My wife does, bless her. We've got two that we're trying to deal with at the moment, plus a podcast. It's all happening in our house. It is crazy training. If Lee McQueen was to mention it, I want to say a massive thank you to Lee, bless him, who came on, currently in Austin at the moment, managing the situation, and Cracks proudly shoved his barnet there as to what Tottenham's done with him. But from Pat, from Cracks, from me, and from Lee McQueen, we've been the last word on Spurs. And for our listeners on audio, Teching you out is Tottenham Hotspur's new manager, head coach, and Poster Coglu. People talk about finding your passions. It's so important because if you find your passion in life, you are so much more incentivized to, to be the best you can be. Embrace the, the hard work of it. I'm a big believer in working hard. Sometimes people think because you, you find your passion that it's somehow easier. No. If there's one thing I've taken from, from my father more than anything else, he just worked hard and he worked hard for his family, not for himself. And I've taken that on board. And... You can overcome everything if you're prepared to just work hard at it. No rejection, no other person's opinion, no obstacle in your way will stop you if you put in the effort. There's too many people trying to sell you the easy road or some magic formula that will get you to, to where you want to get you. It doesn't exist. Every successful person that I've spoken to or I've, I've encountered in my life, they've just done it through sheer hard work. Nothing else. You know, They've committed to something and they haven't let anything stop them getting there. Whatever you want to accomplish in life, put in the effort. The rewards will so much outweigh whatever the cost may be if you really just work hard at it. If you are interested in sponsoring Last Word on Spurs, please get in touch with us directly at our email address, lastwordonspurs at outlook.com. That's lastwordonspurs at outlook.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Sports Social Podcast Network.